0: Okay, so back to you. See, Jung believed that once we had stopped populating the cosmos with gods, that they went inside. Think about it this way. Archaic person looks at the sky, uses his imagination to populate the sky. What's the sky? Well, it's the constellations. It's the domain of the gods. Well, why? Because the gods are, what are out there beyond your understanding. Well, that's what you see when you look up at the sky. So you populate the night sky with things that you broadcast out of your imagination and see spread over the world. It's like the contents of your unconscious are manifesting themselves when you encounter the unknown. It's exactly what it is. How else could it be? You're projecting your fantasy onto what you don't understand. That's how you start to cope with what you don't understand. Welcome to Modern Gnostic number 18. This is Brian Stanford. It's November 15th, 2020, coming at you from Asheville, North Carolina. Join us on this episode as we seek the mysteries. So where do you go if you need to be vimify? To go into your imagination. Greetings everybody. It's Sunday, November 15th. I hope everybody out there is doing well surviving these crazy times it seems like that's the way i have to start every podcast nowadays because it just seems like things are getting crazier and crazier i've been wanting to record an episode for quite a few weeks now uh, but i've been hesitating and uh, hesitating for reasons uh that i'm not completely proud of um to be quite honest with you, I've been wanting to come on and talk to people about the election, which has been just, I feel like, a, a, not only a, an issue that we in this country are following, but people all over the world have been following. Um, whether you pay attention to politics or not, you can probably feel in the air that big things are going on. And I like to talk about this stuff, I like to think about this stuff, I like to write about this stuff. It's part of my uh, mission with esoteric patriotism um, to attempt to understand and think clearly um, and uh, gnostically about these things. And I've been wanting to come on and talk about uh, my thoughts regarding the election. But to be honest, I've, I've really hesitated in doing this. And I've hesitated in doing it because um, not only am I experiencing the broader um, kind of stratification of society, but also the stratification of my my close community. Um, we have now lived through four years of the Trump presidency, and I feel like people on all sides of the equation have been driven uh, a little bit crazy by this man, whether People think he is a uh, literal fascist who is about to end democracy and plunge America into an authoritarian dictatorship. Or whether people believe that he is the man that is going to come and make America great again and bring back manufacturing jobs and keep the border safe and, uh, you know, get us through COVID or whatever the view is. One can easily begin to feel like you are putting some things on the line um, by expressing an opinion that doesn't fall into one of these two categories in regards uh, to the election. But if you look at the history of Gnosticism, one of the things that Gnostics uh, have continually done and continually and will continue to do is find ourselves standing somewhere outside of whatever uh, the dominant paradigm uh, of the day seems to be. And this morning, as as, uh, uh, as I had finished my meditation and prayer and was beginning to do some physical exercise and was listening to uh, some Jordan Peterson lectures, and there was a quote, uh, something he said in one of the lectures about uh, speaking and the Uh, inherent danger of speaking truth. And when I heard this quote, I thought, you know, I need to stop procrastinating. I need to follow my own advice, uh, get my phone out, set the app up, and just hit record and get some of my ideas down and out there uh, to the people who listen to the show. So I'm going to start off today by reading this quote from Jordan Peterson, maybe talking about it a little bit, and then getting into the meat of what I want to talk about on this episode. So here's the quote from Jordan Peterson. He says, It is not safe to speak, and it never will be. But the thing you've got to keep in mind (coughs) is that it is even less safe not to speak. It is a balance of risks. Do you want to pay the price for being who you are and stating your mode of being in the world? Or do you want to pay the price for being a bloody serf and one who has enslaved himself? Say what you think carefully. Pay attention to your words. It's a price you want to pay if you're willing to believe that truth is the cornerstone of society in the most real sense. If you're willing to take that leap, then tell the truth and see what happens. Now, when I heard this this morning, uh, it was really addressing and hitting on the, the things that I had been thinking about, the dangers of. Of kind of talking about in this climate who you voted for and which direction you went in the election, um, and uh, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a weird time. It's a time that you find yourself, you know, depending on how your family voted, maybe you don't feel safe uh, talking about how you voted. Maybe depending on how your friends voted, you don't quite feel safe talking about how you voted. But we have to stand against arconic forces. <laughs> And the way that I see it right now is the archonic forces, as always, are feeding off of fear and anxiety and separation and depression. And one of the ways that you can defeat these evil forces is to not give in to those feelings. Which doesn't mean that you won't feel those feelings, that you won't feel some fear and some anxiety and some hesitation about things, but uh, you will move forward despite that fear and speak truth and find a way to use your words accurately and carefully, but basing that on the premise, and Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot, and this is, this is kind of the, the, a cornerstone principle of Judeo-Christian spirituality, of which I would place Gnosticism obviously um, nested in there and 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 the larger western esoteric tradition and it's this idea that true words true speech are the cornerstone of reality um, if you find yourself falling into telling lies or uh, being crafty in the way that you communicate with your partner and with your friends and with your co-workers and and then ultimately with yourself uh, you will create uh, a hell you will weave a web Uh, That you will find yourself trapped in. It's kind of a cliche thing, right? The thing that um, at least when I was a kid, you would learn, you know, um, what is it? How did it go? Uh, What a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Uh, I heard that so much growing up as a kid. And and to be honest with you, uh, I never listened to it. Um, I went in the exact opposite direction. There's, in the same talk by Jordan Peterson, he talks about, you know, if your idea is that you're going to get away with lying, what you're basically saying is you think that you're going to be able to use your words to twist and and turn the fabric of reality to your benefit. And good luck with that. And I can say from experience that that's exactly what I have tried to do for a huge portion of my life. Um, but it is it is a way that just leads you into a web, into a trap, into a dark place. And it can be scary and it can be nerve-wracking uh, to stand forward and to tell the truth and to be able to have uh, good, thought-out, um, reasoned arguments for the words that you are saying. But uh, it's incredible what you will find if you have the courage to do that and step out and tell that truth. So I was really inspired by that. Um, that bit of speech from Jordan Peterson and it, and it inspired me to sit down today and to start recording and my thoughts about the election. Um, and it's been, it's been a really, it's been a really weird thing for me, honestly, to watch, um, the, the various campaigns and the way things unfold. And, um, I personally, uh, detest Donald Trump as a man. He seems largely to be without good character um, he's obviously not interested uh, very much in telling the truth. Um, he seems to be driven by kind of the uh, counter values to the values that I would find um, noble and ennobling and uh, tending towards the true. At the same time, uh, honestly, I find Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, to be even a, a a more dangerous form of this in that uh, they make a good pretension of being good and honest and truthful and moral people. Like when you see Donald Trump, it's pretty clear, I think, it's pretty clear that he's not a moral, truthful man. Um, you can kind of see through it. But with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, it's a little It's a little bit more difficult. And it seems to be, at least for people in my social milieu and my friends and my family and my colleagues, uh, seem to have a hard time seeing this, and i 'll just give one example um, for the for the purposes of brevity, but if you remember during the um the democratic primary in one of the debates uh before she dropped out, um, Kamala Harris uh accused Joe Biden of being a racist and uh, even went so far as to say that you know he had supported legislation and had supported people that kept uh, uh her potentially kept her from being able to go to an integrated school because Joe Biden, um, you know, uh, st- stood in opposition to forced busing. And she called him a racist and she said he supported racist people. And then even beyond that, she claimed that she believed the accusers who had stepped forward and made allegations of sexual assault on Joe Biden. And she said that she believed these women and these women should be heard and that these accusations should be investigated. Now, of course, the moment she was picked to be his running partner, all of that fell to the wayside. And for some reason, the media uh, seems to have absolutely decided that there's no point in asking Kamala Harris uh, questions about why she had called Joe Biden a racist and potentially a a sexual abuser, uh, and then joined his ticket. And the one person who did ask her about this, Stephen Colbert, the comedian, in an interview asked her, Um, asked her kind of bluntly about this, and her response was to say that, well, it was a debate. You know, she was in a debate, and so, of course, she lied. As if the principle of debate in in a Western democratic society is that you just smear your opponent. Not that you deal with their ideas, but you just smear your opponent. You smear their character in an attempt to win. And to me... That was an exposure of just as deep of a rift and flaw of character as anything I have seen from Donald Trump. Uh, So I'm saying that to say that I don't think either side in this campaign represented um, some sense of moral superiority or uh, good, moral, honest people. but quite frankly, I've been flabbergasted to see the ways in which my friends, my family and my community have responded to this and particularly responded to Kamala Harris and uh, people saying things like how inspiring it is that she's there and how now, you know, their daughters can look and see a woman that they can look up to, um, which is a very strange thing to think that this is the kind of woman you would want your daughter to look up to. Um and there's many things that have, that have occurred like this. Um, it seems to me that violence from the left receives zero attention uh, from people who support Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. It's kind of written off, it's not seen as a big deal. Um, some of the crazier things around uh, the culture war stuff, uh, kind of the woke politics that we're seeing um, inundating the culture. Um, is just uh, not looked at or investigated at all, and any worries that people bring up about it are just kind of laughed at or, or shuffled off as something that's not very important, um, and so it's been it's been very interesting to see uh, the response to people after the election, and it appears that uh, Joe Biden will be the next president. Uh, it looks like there's you know some some things that are going to have to work their way through the courts, and hopefully hopefully. Um, our shaken and and um, trembling system, because I really think that our, our society is kind of teetering on the edge right now, hopefully our, our systems will h- handle these charges and handle uh, whatever the judgments are in a way that keeps things cohesive and working together, but we should all re- remember that this is not a guarantee. And so what I wanted to talk about today, what I wanted to, to kind of get some ideas out is, is something that occurred to me when I was at work and um, was experiencing um, not just coworkers, but, but uh, people in the community's reaction um, to the election. Uh, and I know people who are, are staunch uh, Biden and Harris supporters, and I know people who were staunch Uh, Trump and Republican supporters. I have friends on both sides. I try to maintain friends on both sides. And so I really kind of saw reactions coming from both directions. And um, one of the things that occurred to me for the first time, I feel like in my life, I had this moment of realization of this is what the Bible talks about uh, when it talks about idol worship, when it talks about putting your faith in false gods, um, what I think what we are seeing in our culture right now is an example of that. Right now, um, our culture is like the Israelites uh, building up the golden calf to worship um, while wandering in the desert because we're definitely wandering in a desert right now and it's easy uh, to feel like we have been um, forsaken by the divine. And in fact, in a lot of ways, maybe we have been. Our, in, in so many ways, our culture has turned away from any sort of meaningful spirituality and i'm not even going to say uh, well i will say our culture has turned away from god however we want to define god but as as something something that that is a repository of transcendent values Uh, one of the the things that i see as a a principal danger uh, of the woke kind of movement although It's really like the strata upon which the woke movement is built is this idea that we have from postmodernism that just saturates the culture now that there are no transcendent values. There is no capital T truth. Um, Everything is subjective. Everything is open to interpretation. Everything is open to um, being fitted into the current times and climates and whatever is, is going on. And we don't have... A compass anymore that is pointing us in a true direction. Uh, In fact, we sneer at the idea that there could be a true direction. So, in a lot of ways, um, maybe we haven't been forsaken by God, but we ourselves have forsaken God. And I think you see this manifest in in people's response uh, to the uh, Trump presidency and uh, to the current. Political situation, um, we're putting our hopes in these obviously incredibly flawed and wretched individuals. These, and we're holding them up as gods. Uh, when when you when you can look at someone like Kamala Harris or Joe Biden and think that this should be something that your children should emulate, this should be something that you should emulate, that these are shining examples of what a good, moral, just, true human being would be. At that point, you're worshiping an idol. And I found this um, quote from Psalms, and it's Psalm 135 uh, verses 15 through 18, and I'm just going to read them to you, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. It says, the idols of the nations are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak eyes but cannot see they have ears but cannot hear nor is their breath in their mouths those who make them will be like them and so will all who trust in them and that's a heavy verse and it's very poetic but think reading it it occurred to me they they have mouths but they cannot speak and eyes but they cannot see when Jordan Peterson talked about the value, the not even the value, but the the absolute necessity of speaking true words. Um, if you have a mouth but you're not speaking true words, you're not really speaking. If you have eyes but you cannot see the deeper, transcendent value and meaning of life, you are not really seeing. And if we are expecting these. Political leaders to solve our problems um, we are we are truly lost we are truly worshiping a golden calf and that 's not to say that politics aren 't important i mean i i I follow politics so much i'm i 'm a very political creature i'm i 'm very interested in politics, but something i 've seen um, really kind of change in the last maybe eight years I, I think about it really around the obama presidency um, is this idea that the purpose of the state and the purpose of these politicians is to make us happy, is to make us satisfied, is to make us safe. The safety one is a huge one, and it's one that they are hammering us with over COVID. As we get closer and closer to the inauguration on January 20th, keep your ears open and listen to the rhetoric build about national lockdowns. It was maybe six weeks ago, still during the campaign, when Joe Biden said constitutionally he couldn't do a national um, lockdown. And then a few weeks after that, in one of the debates, he said he really wouldn't even didn't even think a national lockdown was the way to go. And then now, one of the people who has been appointed to his Coronavirus Task Force has come out openly saying we need a four to six-week national lockdown. And as this gets closer and closer to the inauguration, I I think you're going to hear more and more talk about this. And you can look in Europe and see in Europe how these lockdowns are happening, how they're getting more and more draconian, and how people are rising up uh, to protest these things. There's a huge protest in Denmark. Uh, over the weekend because they are putting forward legislation that would allow uh, the police and the state to detain and forcibly vaccinate people who refuse to take a coronavirus vaccination. And we might think stuff like that is very, very far off uh, from our reality here in this country, but I think we should really think again. We should really think again. And all of this is being brought to you with the idea of safety. It's for your own good. It's to keep you safe. But here's the bottom line. All of us are going to die. We are not safe. The human condition is a condition that is not safe. Being born into the material world is to be born into a realm that is not safe. Now, that doesn't mean you should be reckless. That doesn't mean that I don't think you should wear masks or social distance or wash your hands or any of these kinds of things. We are definitely facing a pandemic and we are definitely facing a a dangerous virus. But we should not and cannot and we we better not uh, rely on the state to give us this sense of safety, that they can lock us all in our houses and keep us there and this danger will go away, or even that they could get a vaccine out to us and if we would all just take it, this danger would go away. This seeking of safety at the sacrifice of our liberty is a dangerous road to go down. And I think that the only reason that, that, that we have this kind of faith or confidence in these leaders is because we have lost our spiritual tradition. We have lost a sense of where we really should be putting our trust and our faith. As Gnostics particularly, um, you know, I, I talked a few episodes back about kind of the, the, the first Gnostic urge that you get, that there's something more going on. Uh, than how things seem that your your life, your essence, your being is more than just uh, your job or your relationships or your your age or any of this kind of stuff. it transcends that right and the deeper you go into waking up into who and what you really are, um, in my experience the 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 gnostic realization that comes immediately on the heels of that is the realization of the divine, is the knowledge, the direct knowledge of God in realizing that there is a hierarchy, there is a a, um, a pyramid of value that is outside of and bigger and everlasting and more important than any of the ones that we have uh, on offer in this material world. Which isn't to say that we need to ignore politics or our culture or what's going on in the world or any of that at all. Um, I think we are called to uh, attempt to create a harmonious society, a society uh, uh, where people can pursue um, their destinies to the best of their abilities. But we get far off the track when we make these politicians or these political parties or these platforms uh, to be the penultimate ultimate thing. Um, when you start to attempt to build utopias in the world, um, you inevitably end up in a very dark place. The history, the bloody history of the 20th century, from uh, fascism to communism, is an example of people attempting to give divine power to leaders into state apparatus, the idea that you're going to create a utopia on Earth, um, the idea that the role of the state is to keep everybody safe and warm and fed and comforted, from the perspective of esoteric patriotism and the roots, the the deep esoteric and philosophical roots of which our com- our country emerges from. Uh, the idea of the state is very different the idea of the state is that it exists to protect the rights of the individual and then it is up to the individual to pursue their safety and their comfort and their wealth and their satisfaction on their own there was another uh, uh interesting campaign ad that i think struck on some of these points and it came out two days before uh, the election actually happened, and Kamala, uh, Kamala Harris um, released it. And it was a video on equality and equity. Um, and when I saw it, I found it extremely disturbing. And I, I shared it with some friends who didn't seem to see uh, what was wrong with it, which uh, I find even more disturbing. And if you don't know the ad, just go look it up on YouTube. Uh, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, equality, equity campaign ad and you'll find it, Uh, but the the very first lines in the ad say, equality is the idea that we all get the same stuff. Now, this seems to be an idea that uh, seems broadly accepted today, that that is what equality means, is that we all get the same stuff. But there's some some big problems with that, uh, that simple statement. There's so much wrong with it. Uh, first of all, who, wh- what stuff are you talking about? And where is it coming from? There's no, there's no uh, condition in the world where you just get stuff. That's not how the material world works. Um, uh, there's a deep, 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 deep idea found in the Old Testament that the only way man will eat is by the sweat of his brow. This is the condition this is the human condition. There is no one giving stuff, right? Um, further on in the ad, uh, she says that equity is the idea that we all end up in the same place. And on the surface, that doesn't sound like a, maybe a bad deal. Like, yeah, great, we all end up at the same place. But when you really think about what kind of totalitarian nightmare state would be necessary to ensure that each and every person all got the same stuff and all ended up in the same place. First of all, do we all want to end up in the same place? For instance, at my job, I don't like working 40 hours a week. I like working about 35 hours a week. It works for me with my uh, household finances. It works for me with my time, with my schedule, with my responsibilities. 35 hours a week is about as much as I want to work, and I'm happy with the amount of money I get for working 35 hours a week. But I have coworkers who are really driven. Uh, by wanting to either pay off some debt or put up for some savings or they have children that they need to care for or maybe they just want to buy some more stuff than I do and they want to work 40 plus hours a week. So why should we both end up at the same place? Why should I end up at the same place that they end up? Why should they end up at the same place I end up? We don't want the same things and we're definitely not given all the same stuff. And if you think about the level of control a state would have to have to ensure that this would happen, Um, it becomes nightmarish. It becomes totalitarian. And this is another thing that occurred to me during the election. And I think that what we were looking at, uh, when you look at the uh, Republican kind of platform and the Democratic kind of platform, um, and particularly the Republicans under Trump, I think it's really safe to say that Trump has some very strong authoritarian tendencies. Um, he would like to be the person that could just make the decisions, that could just make the things happen, that would all go his way. Um, he would like to be a strong man, right? Like he looks up to those people like Vladimir Putin or, uh, or what I think that's how you say his name in Brazil. He likes these kind of strong man authoritarian leaders. And that's not good. That's not... That's not the American tradition. That's not the Western tradition. That's not what this country is supposed to be about. And so that is a a big problem. And on the other hand, with not so much maybe even Joe Biden as a person, but with the ideology that is pushing behind Joe Biden, I think you have more than authoritarianism. You have totalitarianism. And totalitarianism was a word apparently coined by Benito Mussolini, to describe his dream for a fascist state. And nowadays we use um, totalitarian. Totalitarian is a word with a negative connotation to the American ear, right? But that's not how it was originally thought about uh, by Mussolini and the early fascists. They thought of a totalitarian state as a wonderful thing. And if you read Mussolini's descriptions of what his totalitarian fascism would be. Uh, It's very hard to see how it would differ from the ideas of someone like Bernie Sanders or AOC or, or a democratic socialist or any of these people that are kind of gaining ascendancy in the Democrat party, because the idea is that no one is left behind. In the totalitarian state, no one is left behind. No one's needs are left unmet. The state takes care of everything. The state makes sure you have a job, it makes sure you have a place to live, it makes sure you have health care, it makes sure you have education, it makes sure you have food, it makes sure there's no homeless, it makes sure there's nobody wanting, it makes sure that all the elderly are taken care of. It is total. It is totalizing. Uh, The way Mussolini described it is there is nothing outside the state. The state is involved in every aspect of life, because that is what is necessary if you're going to have a state that meets all the needs of the people. And when I have been paying attention for the last, like I said, about eight years, I feel like the idea that is gaining ascendancy on the left, the the spirit of what is becoming the left um, in our modern uh, uh, American culture and probably broadly uh, Westernly and maybe even beyond the West throughout the world. I'm not really sure. And maybe some people would say it's always been this way. And, and perhaps that's the case. You can definitely track it back through history. But these these ideas on the left are totalitarian. Um, I don't think at the end of the day, Donald Trump cares about what YouTube videos I watch. I don't think Donald Trump cares if I watch Amy Goodman or if I watch Alex Jones. I don't think Donald Trump cares if I retweet something um, from a far-right person or if I retweet, retweet something from a far-left person. I don't think Donald Trump cares. I don't think the Republicans care. I don't think the ideology That is pushing behind the Republican Party cares. I don't think they care what music I listen to. I don't think they care what words I use. I don't think they care if I misgender or mispronounce somebody. They're not interested in policing my speech. I don't think they're really interested in policing my thought or the books that I read. But when I look at the left today, the modern left, they seem to be interested in all of these things. They seem to be interested in deplatforming speakers that they don't like. Um, you, 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 rapidly, you see on YouTube the demonetizing of channels or the absolute disappearing of channels that run against the current um, kind of woke ideology of the left. This has happened uh, to people like Alex Jones, Laura Loomer, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, um, it happened recently with tim pool uh, it 's happened uh, w- with with Paul Joseph Watson with so many people, and some of those people are detestable people and they 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 spout ideas that I am deeply in disagreement with but that 's not the point. The point is i don 't want an ideology or a state having the power to say what ideas. I get to hear. I don't want politicians that are concerned about what books I read. That is not a road I am willing to go down. And the one on books is 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 very interesting. Um, there's recently a book came out called Irreversible Damage. Uh, I can't think of the author's name off the top of my head, I'm looking her up here on my computer because I don't want to get this wrong. So Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters by Abigail Schreier. And we have a copy of the book here at the house. It was gifted to us. I haven't started reading it yet, but I have listened to a few podcasts with uh, Miss Schreier. And basically this book is talking about the rise of uh, transgender identification, particularly in young girls. And the author puts forward the uh, possibility that this could be uh, what's called a social contagion. Um, and we've seen that uh, things like bulimia, bulimia cutting, um, other eating disorders, other modes of behavior uh, are social contagions that can run through particularly groups of young girls uh, pretty pretty rapidly. like I said, I haven't read the book, but the idea is that we should be very careful in giving children uh, hormone treatment for for, uh, transgender issues. We should be very cautious about the idea of allowing um, surgeries for minors in regards to uh, the whole transgender um, push. And whether you agree with this book or not, uh, i would I would say that the principle of a free and Western society is that this book should be allowed to be written, it should be allowed to be sold, you should be allowed to buy it and read it uh, without uh, fear of reprisals. but this is not what ha- what is happening with this book. Uh, very recently, Target um, pulled pulled this book uh, completely off of its shelves for sale uh, right now, Amazon is receiving pressure to do the same. Uh, And I hear people make the argument that these are private companies that can do what they want to do. And sure, fine, I'm I'm not saying that they can't do what they want to do. But what I'm saying is that it's a dangerous ideology that wants that kind of thing. It's a dangerous ideology that wants to put pressure on places not to sell certain academic books. This is a, a hallmark of a totalitarian ideology. And it's a dangerous thing. And these are not the people that we should be worshiping. These are not the people that we should be looking to to solve our problems. These people will not make you safe. And to whatever degree they make you safe, it will be a sterile safety that you will not want, that your spirit would rightly rebel against. So what's the solution? It's easy to talk about these things as problems What's the solution? And honestly, friends, I I don't know. I don't have a solution. I think, though, a step in a solution is to start thinking about it. To get clear on what's at the root of these various ideologies and where do you stand in relation to them. And here at Modern Gnostic, and with me as an individual, And with my spiritual program of of esoteric patriotism, the idea is um, tied to that first Gnostic awakening I talked about, realizing that you are an eternal being, that you are spirit soul created by God in the image of the creator, that that your heritage is is a nobility, You are a son and daughter of God. And you are not meant to worship these false idols. You are not meant to bow your well-being and your evolution and your liberation to the supposed needs of a collective. And I would say the first step in a direction of finding a solution to this ties back to the Jordan Peterson quote at the beginning, and that is learning to think clearly and to speak true words. And learning to have the courage to make your voice heard in important situations and scenarios, to not just sit back and be silent out of a fear of what the repercussions could be. And this is not an endorsement of crazy or reckless behavior. But it is an endorsement of courageous and true behavior. The first step is realizing who and what you are. And what the roots that your civilization are resting on, what those spiritual roots are. And I really think that those spiritual roots provide The remedy to these problems that we're facing, the importance and divine nature of the individual, the role of the state, what the state should be in relation to the individual and in relation to the transcendent truth. These are important things to get a hold of. Thanks for listening, friends. I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, hit the like button, subscribe, share it with your friends. Reach out to me on social media. Let me know what you thought. And keep listening. And as always, seek the mysteries. I do not wish to be mixed up and confused with these creatures of equality. Thanks for the great intro and outro music from Akira the Dawn. You can find him on YouTube. Check him out, subscribe, and listen. And we'll see you next time on Modern Gnostic.